Hi, everyone. You're listening to Canada Horse Podcast, and we're your hosts, Nikki Porter and Nadine Smith. We strive to enhance the lives of horse owners by facilitating conversations that make people want to talk. It is our passion for horses and continuous learning that is the driving force behind the conversations here on Canada Horse Podcast. We believe in education over judgment and informed choices over following the crowd. As equestrians, it's important for us to know the whys behind the decisions we make for both ourselves and our horses. Now the world is shifting to truly recognizing to honor feel. And there's a lot of times when feel kind of tells us something's not right. But if we've been told it's right, then there's this wrestling match within us to try to find our own truth, which is like, ah, something's not right. And now there's enough movement on the earth to kind of empower people to recognize what's going on within you, has some validity and you should maybe follow that. But then also not necessarily to feel like you have to give up trying to do hard things. We can do this work and we can do a work within ourselves. We can become liberated and we can become connected, but then we can also take that and go do hard things. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us for episode 46 of Canada Horse Podcast. We have been waiting quite some time to talk to our guest today. He is a world-renowned horseman who is devoted to developing better methods of creating long-lasting relationships between people and their horses. And now that the time is finally right for us all to have a discussion, we're here to learn all about relational horsemanship from Josh Nickel. Hi, Josh. It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, good to be here again. It's been a while. I've been looking forward to spending some time. Oh my gosh. So I have to tell a little bit of a story. So Nikki's podcast, Take the Reins. Nikki, you interviewed Josh back in March of 2020. Yeah, he (laughs) was one of the initial uh, Take the Reins guests. Yeah. I literally remember where I was when I was listening to that episode. So this is like when we were just good friends and I listened to your podcast and we didn't even have a podcast then. And I remember voice memoing you from the woods on a walk with my dog going, oh my gosh, this Josh guy, like you and him are on the same wavelength. Like the energy was just like coming through the speaker. It was crazy. And so from then on, it was just kind of like, we got to get this guy on the podcast sometime. And we've connected and we've been sending messages back and forth. And at one point, Josh, I think you said something like, you know, we'll definitely do it. It'll happen when the time is right. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting. You know, I looked up a little bit of what divine timing is, and it's the belief that everything in your life happens exactly at the right moment. Mm -hmm. And some things have been blowing up with you, Josh, lately, you just came back from uh, the journey on summit with Warwick Schiller and the methods that you use in your training philosophy, I think have become more and more popular and accepted and people are getting really curious about it. And I think that Mm. we have you here at the very right time for us. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's been, it's been a pretty fun adventure and I a hundred percent agree with you. I I feel like there's actually a lot of peace in that, you know, to recognize that you got to keep working at it you got to keep trying and you got to keep putting things out there, but you have to trust the process because things truly align when they're supposed to. So I think we can relax sometimes more than, you know, sometimes we're trying to push too hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really the essence of, of letting go and understanding that we don't have to feel like we have to control everything because Mm -hmm. there's something else at play here. Interesting that you mentioned that Nadine, because this morning, as I was getting ready for this interview, 
I just brought up a podcast. So I haven't been listening to podcasts a lot lately, um, but I brought it up and I was like, uh, I'm going to listen to a little of Jack Cornfield this morning. And I clicked on a podcast called The Perfection of Truthfulness. And mm. as soon as he started speaking, I was brought to the conversation we're about to have and some questions that I have after listening to some of your understanding the snow globe. So I think, I think the idea of looking at the horse world with this quality of truthfulness and recognizing that by looking at it from this place of being true to how we're showing up and who we are and our experience in it without saying we were wrong for doing one thing mm. and this is right and this is wrong mm. and, you know, just... Mm not getting wrapped up in this, just looking to open the door to truthfulness mm -hmm. and walking through it and saying, I'm here for it. And mm -hmm. it's something that we all need in order to lead us to where we want to go. Nadine and I talked in, a, in another episode about the, the quote, the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. And I was reminded of that when I was watching, watching you speak about your after effects of the summit. So mm. I would love if we could just start, we'll try to, um, to be as succinct. I, I feel like I'm going to have to rein myself in this whole conversation. <laughs> uh, to describe a bit of what relational horsemanship is. And so from the website, we see that relational horseman horsemanship is built on a foundation of forming a deep connection with our horses by striving to understand their needs and empowering them to perform at peak capacity rather than dominating them. We've also heard you speak a bit about how you break down the needs of different types of horses. So in our podcast in 2020, we talked about space, mind, and pressure horses. I'd be curious from our last conversation to now, is relational horsemanship the same? Have there been areas of growth for you as a horseman that have shifted your perspective in some of those areas? What is relational horsemanship to you? Mm. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's a continuous. I, I'm I'm a student. I, somehow, as a student, I got to teach, and that really was never the idea. I just wanted to understand horses, and I've always loved living life with horses. So, you know, we we do lots of things with our horses. So it's always been this idea of trying to find what does it mean to be with them, and then do hard things. You know, and I think that's really the one of the biggest struggles, and it's always been something I've been trying to kind of figure out. And I feel like that's a big piece in the world is we've gone from a place where, you know, it was more about doing things. And then we would use um, a sense of dominance to achieve those things. And then we would call those dominant forms. If we did it quietly leadership, you know, we would be able to kind of dominate kindly. And now the world is shifting to truly recognizing to honor feel. And there's a lot of times when feel kind of tells us something's not right. But if we've been told it's right, then there's this wrestling match within us to try to find our own truth, which is like, ah, something's not right. And now there's enough movement on the earth to kind of empower people to recognize what's going on within you has some validity and you should maybe follow that. And I feel like the earth and all creatures are always drawing us to that, like that we know there's some innate sense within us that knows. But then also not necessarily to feel like you have to give up trying to do hard things. And that was a little bit of my, my message in on the summit was to recognize we can do this work and we can do a work within ourselves 
uh, we can become liberated and we can become connected, but then we can also take that and go do hard things. So I feel like it's this fun swing of, you know, going from a place of dominance, but doing hard things with dominance doesn't necessarily mean hard things are bad, but dominance is unnecessary. And then get to a place where we can find our own center. And then from a place of centeredness and connection, then going out into the world and doing whatever you want, but it doesn't necessarily have to be void of relationship. And so that really has been my journey. Um, I ride and work with lots of a variety of people. You know, we, we ride in the rodeo community as well as in the cowboy community. And then I'm also then in with, you know, people that are working on mindfulness and meditation to such an intense level. And I actually don't believe they're different. It's that the heartbeat can, can be there to achieve all of those pieces, but people often in different moments have to swing to different extremes to kind of find a piece of it. And that's cool. The key is just not to get lost on the edges and the fringiness of either side, because when you do that, you actually have to defend and balance. So the goal of relational horsemanship is to actually become super aware of what's going on within you. Like we, we need to know ourselves. We need to know what it is we need um to be at peace and then we have to understand that with our horses and then balancing that with being able to be at peace as we challenge ourselves to grow and in the horses that's really the key is that it's easy you know well excuse me it's not necessarily easy it's a first step to find peace and calmness and then to understand how to process life and be able to retain peace to me is mastery and you know i talk about alchemy all the time and self-mastery and mastery within the horses and it's not necessarily just making them do a thing it's about being able to achieve a thing where they, because the beauty of the horse's body is that it can't be masterful with tension. So if there's anxiety in the mind, that's the way they were made. And this is the beautiful form that's above us is that the horse's body was built to at peace be amazing, but not in tension or in dominance. Then they are submissive, but you lose the brightness, you lose the light. So Anyways, that's relational horsemanship. It's just a okay. combination of you're making Nadine sweat. You're just like, I'm just, <laughs> there's so many places we could go with this. I was like, okay, remember to m mention this and remember to Sorry. touch on that. No, I'm just like, I'm so excited about this. So, okay. Just so you know, Nikki and I just did a relationship or not a relationship, an episode about values. Okay. So in that we shared kind of our top values mm -hmm. and just just to let you know, we talked a lot about peace and how peace is one of Nikki's core values and one of We're my core desired feelings right now. Let Josh read our, my sweater that this was my Christmas present from Nadine. And it says, if it costs <laughs> you your peace, it's too expensive. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like, so this we are on this, this path right mm -hmm. now. And, you know, mm -hmm. some of my, my values that I spoke of were understanding, compassion, achievement, integrity, authenticity. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nikki had creativity in there also mm -hmm. openness. And so we were wondering, what would you consider your core values? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, those are big. I, I have some similar ones. Um, authenticity is definitely a big one because I think authenticity means the inside and the outside are the same. I spoke on that piece at the summit as an element that allows our energy to actually help us find through vulnerability our own uniqueness in the world. Um, I, I love courage. Uh, that's a big one for me because to get to a place where we can really find ourselves, we have to generally have a bit of courage to be able to step into our step into ourselves in the world. Um, it's just easier to do what everybody else is doing and just to have, have courage is a big piece. Um, I'll just go through them quick because they're, yeah. you know, we could probably spend a podcast on any one of them. Mm -hmm. 
integrity. That's just a big deal to me. Uh, you know, um, again, that comes down to being what you feel, whether people are watching or not, you know, it's like just having that level of street credit and ability because your horses know, like from a relational perspective, feel, feel and frequency, tell the story every time. So whatever's truly going on for you, your dogs know, your horses know, generally your people know, you know, so, so that powers frequency. Um, and then the next one I, I like to combine because it's love and bravery. Um, you know, love, love can cause us to so dive into trying to find all of the pieces that are needed. And, and I feel like that's kind of relational horsemanship. It's this love and bravery. It's like love to connect and bravery to not give up on dreams. You know, those two pieces, I'm kind of like always balancing those elements. Um, cause I think they're both just as important, you know, uh, but yeah, so just, just kind of like quickly, uh, those are probably four of the pieces that really resonate with me. I think this is going exactly where I hoped it would go because that, that is basically what I wanted to hear. And I think that on authenticity is something that we don't see enough of in the horse world. Mm -hmm. And that is where I would like to shed some light and, and get some understanding in terms of mm -hmm. it's the, the discord, like you had mentioned before about, you know, what is in your head and what is in your heart and what are mm -hmm. these trainers telling us in mm -hmm. how they do it. And this, this is how it is done. This is how we get to this result except for half of the time we don't know what they're doing in their own barns when nobody's mm -hmm. around mm -hmm. and so sometimes sometimes we have these methods that we follow and we have these trainers that we look up to mm -hmm. but we can't achieve the results because we don't know the full picture of what's going mm -hmm. on that's right yeah. I think Josh, you said something that probably landed for both Nadine and I, Nadine, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when you said all of this can be true and then you can still do hard things, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. you're right. looking, that's, that's where, where we've really been, um, resting in and trying mm -hmm. to sort out because as competitive, ambitious women, who are driven by competition and the desire to grow as horsewomen. So for instance, in 2019, I bought my first Rainer. Now Nadine has a, a Rainer as well at home, who's actually my, my horse's full brother. And she mm -hmm. has a horse there that is, is a rain cow horse. So she can kind of do the ranch riding mm -hmm. at a really great level and she can do the mm -hmm. reining as well. So there's all of these elements to our horsemanship that we're trying to drive forward and I chose reining specifically for certain pieces of it that I mm. want to learn as a horsewoman. Mm. But there's also these other elements that drive my beliefs with horses, my values with horses, the work that light me up with horses. And it's really refreshing to hear someone who's as invested in relational horsemanship as you are also mm -hmm. say you can do hard things mm -hmm. because it feels sometimes like if you're so invested in the relationship, relational horsemanship, all of those other ambitions mm -hmm. and goals have to be wiped off the table. Mm -hmm. And I find that there's a time period because I feel like, I feel like that is natural. What I find happens to people, I kind of have a few ways to go with that. It's a little bit like that because we have to dive into something a little deeper to kind of recognize it when we feel like there's been something missing and then we feel it, it feels so good in our hearts. And then we want only that, you know, so then we get to a place where 
yeah, it feels so good just to be with our horses and feel them relax and not feel them in tension or feel the anxiety. So I think it's okay in a, in a step, but if we, I talk about green, yellow, and red all the time in training. Um, I did a course on empowered by pressure. It's like, how can we, how can pressure empower us instead of, you know, be a negative when it, it comes down to view. But if, if, if when we, if we see the pressures that are being applied as negatives, like everything is kind of negative and I just want to be with my horse. The problem is, is the places we're okay, get smaller and smaller and smaller because we're no longer kind of understanding how to take ground in a relational way. So where I see the practicality of this changing is in the moments our horses struggle. When, when we're doing a thing and the horses struggle, do we go back to a submissive, more demanded form? whether that's pulling the horse's head around, whether it's tying them into something over flexion, you know, taking them away from their world, or do we ask the question, what's going on and how can I help? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's the difference. So you don't ever have to, you know, sometimes we have to slow down to kind of get our pillars redefined because that's where generally people recognize if I'm going to go do hard things and my horse doesn't do it, then I have to put them into submission. Well, anytime you're taking the horse away from their world and you're making them give in kind of thing, your heart's going to twist a bit. Like there's a sense that you're not necessarily relating to them because there's something they're struggling with, but we're just taking what we want. We're kind of putting them into a, I call it the headlock and noogie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, you put them into a bind where they have to kind of now do it. And then, and then we go do what we want. And I think this is where the bind of our insights comes. It's like, okay, now this is pretty much all about me. When my spirit just got into this, cause I love these creatures. So it starts to twist. And I think it's not a bad twist. I think, you know, it's okay. And I feel like I always encourage people to this is if you feel the twist, it's okay to go. It's okay to search. It's okay. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of styles that are approach based more on dominance, but anyways, that's, that's its own deal. When you feel that the question is ask your, you got to find out what is it that the horse is trying to say. And when I find for myself, if I can just take that into consideration and then start to build some modality or approach around taking care of that need, then what you're doing is you're just waving back and forth in the world of saying, okay, you're struggling. How can I help you? Instead of saying you're struggling, how can I make you do what I need? And as soon as we can start building a training philosophy kind of around those moments. So we're going to prepare for that. I'm going to prepare, you know, we need to teach the horses how to soften. We need to help them understand how to think under pressure instead of feel chased or confined by it. Then we can start using those things in the yellow. So I trained, you talked about when we started it's black and white. And I think so much of life is about the gray. It's like, you know, we get into, it's like, wow, I don't have reference for this. Shoot. Like, what do I do now? So it's about trying to build reference and proactive training styles inside of that to meet the horse's need and come out together instead of feeling dominated. And to me, that's why it's relationship, because if we can come out considering each other through hard things, now we're stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I want for my horses. It's what I want with myself and my wife and with my people. And, you know, it's like, how can we come out stronger instead of just getting the job done necessarily. Yeah. So uh, it's, uh, let me see for a second. <laughs> uh, get my words. So there's, there's a couple different areas that, that I think are really important. And it's the understanding that pressure is a lot of it has to do with our mindset around pressure and our mm-hmm. interpretation of pressure. Um, but recognizing that all growing things, all growing relationships need pressure in order to grow and looking for the need. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to add in versus the story versus creating mm-hmm. the story. Right. 
And I find that's where we get wrapped up as horse people so often is in the creation of the story Mm -hmm. and why that horse is doing that thing or not Mm -hmm. doing that thing rather than just changing the lens and, and saying Mm -hmm. what is needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The bind comes when people do live in that. And that's, that's, that's a bit of mindset work is we're generally Mm -hmm. deciding what we do now because of the negatives we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, one of the biggest, when it comes down to actually taking life, like going into life and living it, it comes down to resetting certain pillars within ourselves, how we see things and why we do things and why we don't do things. So a lot of people don't do things because they saw someone do a thing in a way that made them feel bad. So now they won't use a spur, or they won't use a bit, or they won't use this because they saw somebody use it poorly. And to me, this is one of my big, I'm chasing this because I want, I want everything to be liberated from the negativity of our minds. So it is purely sitting in the space. And now I can choose to put the intention and the connection in it if it's necessary. So if we need a thing, okay, can we put relationship and connection in that rather than putting an old story of negativity? Because now we're putting ourselves into this tiny little box where we can't use that because this means that, and this means that, and our worlds get smaller, but could we purify everything and say everything is just there and and then i always ask myself this question what would the master's hand define that as not what would my brother's uncle's cousin who we saw do a thing (laughs) now tell my brain the story and now confines me in my life because of that story and this to me is a really big thing that i find actually pushes people into desiring relationship but then confines their world because being relational is defined by all the negatives they saw that they'll never do. So this actually isn't living in relationship, it's living in the confines of our past. So for me personally, there's that journey for me to not live in that in my own story, but then also not to put my horses in that bind either. It's like it kind of allows you to live pure, but also adventurous still. You can still, you can still define things and you can still move forward with your mindset. There's kind of two avenues we can take on that. It's like what's going on for me, but then also, yeah, what's happened with our horses. Okay. I have to wrap my brain around that yeah. because, okay, so you said something at the beginning, I think before we even started the episode and it, it was about how people can become debilitated. Mm-hmm. And I think that I even said that word to you, Nikki, the other day, didn't mm-hmm. I? Mm-hmm. I was like, I feel frozen. This is complete mm-hmm. honesty here. Mm-hmm. I, grew I see it up, all the time. I grew up, Josh, reading books uh, by Monty Roberts, like as a mm-hmm. little girl, like I mm-hmm. always felt that. I wanted to learn more about the behavior and the body mm-hmm. language of horses, like from mm-hmm. a very little person. And then I found Pat Pirelli and natural horsemanship. And mm-hmm. then I found things that I was like, yeah, feel like I can do better. I feel like mm-hmm. I can see more subtleties and, mm-hmm. and be lighter and softer. But I also, like Nikki said, I, I really enjoy competition and high level mm-hmm. athletic things, right. With my horse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really like liberty and groundwork and and Mm -hmm. doing those things in the relationship but lately I've had a really difficult time combining the two and I've had some challenges Mm -hmm. like which anybody could have challenges of you you know with with their horses where you're like I know what I don't want to do here I don't Mm want to be physical I don't want to be forceful I don't want to be reactive or quick and I want to have patience but I don't know what to do and that, mm-hmm. that's what I, I said to Nikki the other day. I feel frozen because I don't have a trainer around that I would trust mm-hmm. because I don't mm-hmm. think that they see things the necessarily the way that I would want to mm-hmm. see them or the, like, you know, mm-hmm. how you're speaking of it. Mm-hmm. And so 
what would you say to people that are in that feeling right now? Because I, I think mm-hmm. that maybe I'm not the only one. No, you're definitely not. And especially with the expanse of awareness on the planet and on the internet that there, there is, you know, you don't, you don't have to be stuck in that. The first thing is, is that it's, it's okay for a time period if you need to back away and regroup. Okay. It's okay. It's, you know, that to me is a big deal because especially in my work, you know, we're always kind of challenging things, but then you have to become mindful of the things that are being challenged and then you have to find pure state in them. So, so it combines a little bit what I said initially, where, a lot of times we're doing a thing motivated by negative. So even when you said that, you talked about not wanting to use certain things. But what you don't recognize is the backstory on that attachment is how you saw those things be used creates a feeling that you don't want. That's actually what you're telling me. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that you don't want to use pressure or that you don't want to, you know, it's that you don't want what feeling that conjured up, nor the way you saw the pressure be used. But what if there was ways to use pressure that actually met a horse's need? Because horses are always, they always need to figure out how to control pressure. So if you help them understand how to control pressure through a more dominant approach, they'll swallow that because they need to know how to control pressure. That's a light, that's a primal reptilian need. But you could also help them control pressures in beautiful ways that develop deeper connections. But most of the time, because we don't actually recognize the backstory we have on pressure, and that's a big piece that I'm after, which is the reason I talked about that in course about empowered by pressure, because what we need to understand is horses need to control pressure. We can help them control pressure in a very relational way that can encourage bravery and connection and excitement. So they feel powerful because now they can control pressure in a way that builds connection. So I think the first part of this is that we need to start really connecting to our mindset the way we have interpreted things and how much power we're giving to it because what you're in the moment of the debilitation is too much interpretation has been given to this negative mindset that you do not desire. Your soul is calling you to something new, but you don't have any reference in this newness as to what to do because all your, all the things to do like picking up a flag or swinging a stick or whatever are all defined in the old mindset. So what's actually being happened, what's happening is you're getting pulled into two pieces Mm -hmm. and this new soulful mindset has no legs and all of your legs are attached to old mindsets. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the beginning. And and so, you know, I feel like that's the first step in my teaching is to start catching those mindsets Mm -hmm. to recognize how many mindsets are connected to old states. And that what if, what if your, some of your pressure was being used to actually allow you to show up more. So I talk about amplification and frequency, not pressure and demand. So a lot of times when you're in the space of the horse and you are amplifying a pressure, it's more like you're allowing yourself to show up and be felt more sensitive people generally. And that's what was my, my talk at the summit was entirely about what does it mean for you to be able to show up and be felt to be in the universal language? You have to be able to be felt. So there's times when we'll use pressure, but it's more like, Hey, feel, feel, feel me. Like, can you feel, can you feel, my heart can you sense what i'm asking but most of the time we're like this and if we have a sensitive heart we don't want to stir it up we don't want to create problems but again that's then why we're not showing up because we've attached it to an old mind what if increasing your frequency allowed the horse to feel your heart now and now you could be felt and you could be seen and again those are levels of authenticity in relationship is you have to show up and be seen but if amplifying pressure was the thing that could help you be seen. And now you can't use it because of an old mindset. Again, another 
opportunity to be debilitated. So I know that's a lot of words, but it's like, we need to chase down these feelings. And the sensation of the tension for you is the first step. When you feel a tension around a thing, you must rewire that. I have to add to a piece of that too, because it's, I work a lot in the area of pressure with people. And part of the story that gets created is because we have been trained to ignore our own pressure Mm -hmm. for our entire lives. So a really like primal example of that is I used to be a teacher. And so I trained myself to use the washroom like three times a day. Mm, So I like a really like, you know, body sensation of natural pressure. I actually trained myself not to feel that. And so we have been taught as people who are in a productive society to ignore pressure until it gets to a place of like overwhelm Mm. or, or pain, pain, then overwhelm. So I will, would add to that, that it's not only the mindset, but also learning what pressure feels like in the body, Mm -hmm. what pressure we bring and how we influence others with our own pressure and seeing it sooner, seeing Mm -hmm. our own pressure so that we're so tuned into pressure that we trust that we're going to release it as soon as it makes an in some sort of positive influence mm-hmm. so that we know and we can trust ourselves that we're not going to go to that place where we saw mm-hmm. that uncle in the backyard with those spurs mm-hmm. go that we mm-hmm. were like, oh, I'm not going to wear spurs because of that. Now, with this being said, Nadine, I, I feel like you should have already called me out on this, but I, I had a moment this summer where I was like, do I actually want to be a rainer? And it was because of one particular person that I watched Mm -hmm. in the reigning industry that broke my heart. Mm -hmm. And it makes like to just picture their horse, it hurts my feelings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and I was like, Mm -hmm. that is not where I want to go. Is that what this is about? Is that what this industry is? And I think as, as soon as you said when you can do those things and mm-hmm. and you can bring your own authenticity to it and it doesn't mean you have to go there somebody already called me out and said actually you can do this you don't have mm-hmm. to do what they did mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. to the same place I think that's really important and Nadine maybe that's where you are is where you're now at that place where you go these are my goals and I don't have to go to those places I can but I, I think I know your hang up is like who's going to teach me the way what well, is the Yeah. And I mean, so I just want to, I want to back up for two seconds because I think the three of us, like we are in a place where we're good with this, but I want to also reach the listeners that are like, I'm good with my chain over the nose and I'm good with my horse that rears as I go into the pen or whatever, like he gets the job done. And I'm just saying that maybe there's that little tiny piece of you. That's like, this could be easier this could be more peaceful. This Mm. could be more enjoyable if I just like change these little things. And so I just wanted to throw that in there that, that I'm definitely okay with pressure. Like in terms of, I know there are a lot of, especially horse women out there that their horse is their pet and they almost create their own problems by being too soft and too, too, Mm lack of pressure and things like that, because they just want to make the horse happy all the time. And, and I think that there are a couple different extremes there, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot of people in the middle that just don't know where to go. 
mm-hmm. and don't know mm-hmm. how to make it easier. And so you're right, Nikki, I think there, there is what you're saying about like, you can still achieve um, success. And then there's another piece of it where I think that I also am Josh is where technically my horse is really good. Like we can do a super good pattern, but the problem is, is that we get out there and he feels that, that external pressure. And sometimes we lose connection. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's that piece where it's like not tangible. We can do the things like I can get through the pattern. I can get through a class and like, maybe nobody else noticed, but I noticed that he's not focused or he's not mm-hmm. completely with me. Or, you know, for somebody, when things hit the fan, their horse is like checked out, like di- completely mm-hmm. different horse than mm-hmm. what they expected because they don't have that trust. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you could help build on that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think there's two extremes. You betcha. This is such a big topic. Mm-hmm. I don't actually believe that when stuff is happening, I think it's an unrealistic negative. If we believe that we're going to go from desiring this relationship and connection and that peace we have in moments at our own barn, okay, needs to be the exact same when we go to competition. Horses are living, breathing creatures that are going to take this world in and they might get a little unsure. Um, Because if, okay, well, how are you feeling when you go to a show? You are unsure, you're bubbling, you're struggling, then you're crying and you're pushed, but you're pushing yourself. Okay, the horses are going to have a similar piece. Now there is a difference. Okay, and so the extreme people will then justify, yeah, that's what showing is. They're going to struggle. They're going, and that's why I have to take a hold of them. And the other side is going to be people. Now they won't go to a show because they think that if it's not, if any of that happens, it's negative. This is again why I talk about the yellow light so much. Like life is in the yellow. Mm, and when 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 that's happening, if your horse is like. Okay, taking in that banner and they're looking at that and they're a little unsure, but yet you pick up the reins and you feel of them and they feel you and it's like they they kind of come back to you. That's relationship. If, if we're not in that space, feeling that, probably we're just sitting on our couch too much. Like that's a thing for me. So I am okay with it because it comes down to when that happens, what do you then do? When you go back to the warm-up pen, when you get ready for your show for next week, what this is always what it comes down to. So some people are going to want to put their horse in a headlock in a noogie again and try to screw them down. So they say nothing. Okay. And that, you know, that that's, it's always the way it goes in the beginning is horses will go from saying nothing to then actually really struggling because, because they don't have a voice, Well, that doesn't mean they're not feeling things. So then when they have those struggles to me, life is all about how we handle each other in the process of living. So when he struggles and he looks at what I, what I encourage people to do is let the horse look, let them take it in, but pick up your reins and let them feel how you feel about it. You see, let them feel you and now let them have a moment with it. And then they feel you and then they relax. That's relationship. So, so I don't see that as bad because I think it's sometimes unrealistic. It's an unreal expect, relational expectation to believe that you and I could go through a scenario and life happens and that we both have to be perfect or it's not okay. That's actually way too much tension for me. What it is, is I want us to be able to not necessarily be okay, but handle each other with reverence and respect that I can struggle and you can support me and I can actually have my voice and say, I'm not okay, but then you help me and see, this is the yellow space where it's just, and if you're not gently touching those edges, your world starts to get too small. So it's really about being able to stay in the yellow for me and keep my horses kind of on the edge of uncertainty 
but then I mentor them in those. It's the same with my kids. I've said this many times with our kids. I'm not trying to protect my kids from experience. I want to help them when they struggle. I want them to struggle now. I want them, but not to the edge where they're losing their minds. But I, but I'm okay with that space. And I think that's the difference. If we need, so there's a difference between quiet and peace. This is a big deal. I know I'm getting, I'm getting, I can get too lost in it, but uh, Mm -hmm. quiet means I stop the pressure from having its effect on me. Peace means I can be in it and be okay. Okay. So there's a time sometimes we need to retract. And I feel like you're kind of on the edge of that, Nadine, where you're like, I got to just retract a bit to kind of find my center. I got to regroup. I got to realize what's okay for me and what's not. But then recognizing you have the ability to go into a space with a new mind. And that's really, so that takes meditation to actually see yourself go into a challenging scenario. And that's a, that's a power meditation. Like one meditation is still, the second meditation is go back into an environment and create your own response, not the response based on negatives. Mm-hmm. And then slowly now you can pick your reins up and your horse can feel your new response, but it's okay if they're not perfectly okay. There's a difference between not being okay and still working at it and a horse losing their mind or going back into submission. Hopefully that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many yeah. topics, like there's so many ways we can yeah. kind of go. And I, <laughs> We're I just going to talk for in. the next, somebody else can pick up the kids. It's fine. <laughs> listen, listen, I did uh, email Cindy Josh and said like, we need Josh to come to Nova Scotia. So I know you're yeah. like all over the world and you're out in Western Canada, but like, we need you here in Eastern Canada also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be so No pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you guys have one thing working for you that my wife can't wait to go there. It's always been her dream to go to the East Coast. So yeah. oh, bring her, that'd be fun. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, Sounds like a romantic getaway to me. There you go. So, <laughs> as Josh was saying, Nikki, I could see you were like, some things were hitting you. What was it that you were thinking? Oh my gosh. Uh, all of it. I feel like when you, you introduced this podcast, Nadine, with like things come at divine timing. And I feel like we, as a horse community, it feels like a collective calling of growth. Mm-hmm where there's so many people who are in this place of, I'm in this for this reason. I love this about it. I want to honor this and keep this in my horse world, but I want to make sure I'm honoring and keeping this in my horse world at the same time. Can I have my cake and and eat it too? Mm. Can I love my horse and be in it for the horse and see what my horse needs and and be able to offer that to them and still feel that drive and that passion and that desire mm-hmm. to grow and get better and all of the things i think that that it's it's something that's spreading throughout the horse world where people are mm-hmm. just starting to feel those moments of discomfort that are leading them to question things but at the same time also looking and saying like you know how how do i want to show up I want to bring this, if you don't mind, Nadine, let's, do you mind if I take that a little bit to the conversation around the summit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking? That. I yeah, feel like, exactly. like we were on the same page there. Yeah. So, you know, from, from our understanding, so we are two people who would have loved to be at the summit who are at home and kind of watching these ripples happening after the summit and watching people come out of the summit, mm. especially the presenters who, and you, you yourself use the words shaken up. 
So Mm -hmm. you described the experience of going through this, this summit as being shaken up in a snow globe and having that snow globe effect. And I'm just looking to see what do you think made people feel so shaken up by that experience? And what exactly is the shake? Like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's awesome. So it kind of attaches to a few things, but I believe that we're just leaving a, post, a post-war mentality on the earth, especially in North America. So post-depression, post-war, the generational progression has been, if you're living, you're fine. Okay. If you're able to go and do the things, you're fine. That's been a horsemanship approach where it's like, you got to learn how to do the things. You got to make the things happen. Um, and, and we're just moving out of that to a place where we're actually fine. Now we're not just trying, we, we don't need to just get by and not die. We're not so in survival the, mode. Yeah. We're not in survival mode. And so the world is now awakening again to another element of, of this ability to kind of be like, okay, I'm okay. I'm living, but am I, am I thriving? You know, mm-hmm. and I talk about survival and thri- and th- surviving and thriving all the time. And I feel like we're right on the edge of desiring to thrive. We, we don't need to just not die. So I feel like what's happening is there are, the summit was this resonance and Warwick's journey to say in his bravery to say, you know what, I just want to know lots of stuff. And he used the summit, or excuse me, he used his podcasts as ways to touch people that he was really intrigued by. Like it was, you know, he's, he's joked about that. It's very, not just self-centered, but it was self-interested, you know? Um, and then he reached into all these little corners and he talked to all of these people kind of bravely doing their own thing, but in their own, in their own space. Like they're not, they're not, they weren't, and that was a theme for a lot of the presenters. We're kind of off doing our own thing in our own corner, trying to keep up the momentum for ourselves to have the hearts to keep chasing that. But what happened through the summit is it was like a community of connection for so many people to realize you're not alone. Like we're not alone on this seeking, desiring connection in a, in a heartfelt relationships and, and all of these pieces. And you have people from every corner. So it wasn't like everyone was energy workers or everyone was this or that. Like you had people from, you know, Mark Rashid and myself who were kind of like, you know, it's very much into the horse community. And then you have other people who it's like, it's like all energy work, but the heart, if you watch the summit, you recognize everyone was pulling to the same heart from their space. So I think what it empowered is it empowered this awareness that there is more than just us as individuals chasing this heartfelt sense. And it actually doesn't matter what you're doing. That's the key is it doesn't matter if you want to go and do this or that or, or whatever. You have the ability to follow your own calling, but you can find a heart center in all of it. And, and as presenters, it gave us so much like the, the love was the word that was used all the time. Love, like there was this loving desire to be together. Like I've, I've met people, you know, when I, okay. So what I, when Cindy and I walked in the hotel, uh, the first person I ran into was Carrie Lake and we didn't shake hands. We hugged and because <laughs> it was like, Oh my goodness. Cause we could feel each other. And really it was that sense. And so all the presenters were like that. It was, there was no, in a lot of expos and things you go to, there's often this little like irresonance of competitiveness. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, it's just, it's just, something I, I try to work through with my presence in spaces, but there was none of that. Like I'm telling you, it was all love. And we were all so drawn because our frequencies 
where I've been desiring that for so many years to just have community and be in connection with people that are seeking this too. So the summit, the energy and the frequency of the summit just blew the roof off because now you took all these people towing their own line and now you put them together and you recognize the energies start to multiply. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was, it was hugely impacting, but it actually made people get sick. It made people be dizzy all the time. And, you know, like there was so many, af- there was huge aftermath with people that were there and the presenters, like a ton of presenters got sick because like it was changing our, it was changing our composition. You know, it's like, it's just crazy. But that, that was to me the biggest piece is it was, there was pure alignment because everyone was on the same desire to get to the root of what matters that our differences were beautiful now. And we all got to learn from the differences instead of bumping up against the differences. Like I do this and I do that. It was just like, it doesn't even matter. And now as presenters, we're actually connecting more to say, how can we learn from each other? Because the center is staying so connected to that bond of being a change and love that the rest doesn't even matter. And I feel like that, that is like an atomic bomb in the horse world to just mm-hmm. keep rippling. And it has to, to me, it has to start with the leaders. Because just the tone you hear in people's speech speaking, you know, like, well, I do this and, you know, like some people do this and that and, you know, and it's like kind of looking down at these things and all oh, those people do this and we won't mention any names, but this is why it's like, no, just <clears throat> in love, what do you do and why, you know, Truthfulness. Uh, anyways, and it started for me at Best Horse Practice because I went to Lexington to Best Horse Practice and Nishan was there, Patrick King was there and Jim Masterson um, and Daniel Dauphin. And it was wicked because I would do, I did a lecture and a presentation and then the next guy would, and then we were back and forth with each other. Like, oh yeah, Patrick did this. And then, you know, this and this, and, and it was like, there was resonance happening. It was the only, first time I've really felt resonance between instructors. And then that launched, like I came home for a week and went right to San Antonio where it was just an explosion of that, you know? So that's really the heart of what I feel like was so powerful. And I feel like when the leaders really step into that, that, that explodes the potential because now there's this example being given kind of top down, which I don't actually think we recognize the top down effects of that little slighted negativity all the time, mm-hmm. which is generally insecurity in us as instructors, but it's that, it's that little slanted negative. And then I think, and I've said this many times, the horse community is more of the, excuse me, the horsemanship community is a very judgmental space. Like I've observed even rodeo is, is a, a very unjudgmental, like there's support and you know, it's, it's crazy because it's very judged, mm. but it's judged based on a judgmental perspective, not a knowing. Anyways, that's an all, mm-hmm. an all other thing, but um, I hope that makes sense because that's, that's truly the heart of it for me. And I still yeah. feel it. Like I'm telling you, I love those people. Like I love them Yeah. because it was so loving. I don't, that sounds so weird to talk about it, but. I think Nadine and you, you correct me if I'm wrong, maybe, maybe you can add to this, but I, I, this is just an experience of somebody who is home, not at the summit and watched people come out of it. And especially like watching you and Carrie discuss it and, and discuss this snow globe effect. And it was almost difficult to understand what actually happened. Like mm. what, yeah. what is going on? Why do they feel <laughs> all these things they're feeling, but it was really hard to understand what happened. And I think you Mm -hmm. just, by saying the energy of the event that actually made people physically feel ill, 
and mm-hmm. physically like Carrie described her experience of being on stage and then going off to the bathroom to cry explaining those experiences I think sheds light for those of us who weren't there to understand and have a little bit more of a tangible sense of like mm-hmm. why are they so shaken like what actually happened at this place but understanding that you know we know when an energy is is shifting and mm-hmm. so being in that space you know it's easier to recognize now like oh okay it was it was actually a physical event for people when you start to really invest in like knowing and understanding Mm -hmm. energy you're like ah okay that makes that Mm -hmm. makes a little bit Mm -hmm. a little bit more sense because it felt very um what's the word I'm looking for Nadine it felt it felt like it was something you had to be there to understand yeah whereas we were described it allowed it to kind of be a little yeah it was a little abstract um that's the word uh Mm -hmm. yeah but I do get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the biggest thing, first of all, me being a very like clear black and white person, I was like, tell me the things that people said about the horses and let me know how <laughs> to do them. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. But I know that it was different. And I, I've been there where you're just like changed by the energy in the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it now mm-hmm. when you were like, not everybody was horses there. It was all like energy mm-hmm. and heart and feeling and stuff. Mm-hmm. So that made more sense. <laughs> and because I yeah. was like, you know, these are like masters of, you know, like you and and Mark and and Warwick and it just I was just like, okay, this is gonna be like amazing to to mm-hmm. hear like what actually like what did you guys figure out? Give me the rule book of what, mm-hmm. you know? but it wasn't. <laughs> well, like Warwick that actually at all. said that. Warwick actually said, guys, this isn't about horses. Mm-hmm. Jim Masterson actually had to go and adjust his presentation because it's like work said, guys. I, I don't, we don't need more talk about horses. See, cause that's, that's it. We feel like we need the next technique or we need the next thing. We don't, we, we need less of it actually in moments. Cause we do need to know how to engage, but there's a bazillion techniques out there. Like, you know, we don't get a technique. So we go and try another technique, but we don't realize that it wasn't the technique. That was the issue. It was the way we were showing up. Yeah. So I just think when you have that many people lay themselves out, like lay their hearts out, super authentic. I don't think we recognize that's the biggest problem with our horses. Most of the time we come into the environment, super guarded. Mm-hmm. We're like, chill out, relax, feel safe. And we're, you know, looking behind our walls and not letting anything down. Yeah. But you had a space where a ton of people just laid it out. Like I'm talking, drop their walls and shared their soul. You just can't have a bunch of people do that and not expect your world to be rocked. And that honestly was where the snow globe talk came. Because we were, from my perspective, I'm watching people just come to pieces and not understand what happens when you have an energetic experience. And I don't mean like woo-woo. I mean, mm-hmm. when something shifts you, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to change your world. But most people want to pull back to the known. And I feel like that's, you know, we pull back to safety and our brains are like, oh, I don't know what's going on. I need reference. So it pulls us back instead of letting ourselves be transformed. Feeling those experiences and allowing that to happen, man, that's a that's a weird thing, whether it be pain or sickness or, you know, not losing it. Like that was the thing for work. He was pretty much dizzy the whole time. He thought he had vertigo because he his world was shifting, too. And it's kind of like fringy stuff to talk about, but it's like it's very obviously happening in the physical. Mm -hmm. So the big question, I believe, coming from this is how do you feel that, you know, what do you think the butterfly effect is going to be Mm. 
on the greater horse community in the coming months, years? Awesome. I think, I think initially there's going to be a shift and I think you're feeling it right now for everybody wanted to pull back and regroup. There's going to be lots of people that are challenging their boundaries. They're challenging their edges. They're thinking, Oh my goodness, what am I doing with my horses? And am I doing this wrong? And you know, now, now the heart center is being filled up. So there's going to be a period of time where a lot of people are going to pull back from anything that challenges the relationship because of old minds. And that was what we talked about initially where, and you're feeling it and you are feeling the thing and that's an increased frequency. So there's going to be step one is I, people are going to pull back. They're going to pull back away from their, the world that they were in that they feel irresonance with. So if something doesn't feel resonant, they now know, trust your heart, listen, you know, feel, feel, feel is good. This kind of thing. So there's going to be a step where everybody pulls back. Then everyone's world's going to start getting small. They're going to feel confined. They're going to now seek relationship. And I feel that, you know, and now, but now I can't leave my yard with my horse because my horse is scared at the end of the driveway. And, but when my horse gets scared, I don't want them to be scared. So we go back to the barn. You know, it's like, if we're not careful, (laughs) all of a sudden our world's getting small. And then the next step is, and this is again, what my heart is, is, okay, how can we be together in a way where we can, what, how would it feel if we just cleansed all the negative interpretations and we could start using our field to sense all those negative interpretations and they all fell away. And now we could re-inspire all of those things with a beautiful energy of connection and relationship and live adventurous lives. What would that look like and feel like? Like that's a meditation for me. I meditate on that to, to, so that my mind can go ahead of me and start purifying old ideas so that when I pick up my bridle, I think of, oh my goodness, how beautiful is this? Rather than, ooh, can I still use that? Like, what will people think if I do? You know, it's really being able to catch those things. And, and I'm saying for us to really succeed, we have to start catching our mindsets. It's the most important piece. Mm-hmm. And to recognize it's not about being on this extreme or that. Mm-hmm. It's about finding the center, finding our center, and then purifying our state and recognizing we're, life is still fully accessible to us because we see people doing crazy hard things in beautiful mindsets. We also see people trying to do hard things in negativity and those things hit us hard, but we still need to not give up the desires of our soul because it's totally possible. So that's, that's kind of, I think that's the process and we kind of already see it. I was watching that happen before the summit. I just think the summit charged it even more because now we're touching more people because I deal a lot with people because, you know, my relational perspective is something I've been working at mm-hmm. for a while before this. And I draw a lot of people in that are wanting that. And then all of a sudden their world is small. It's like, no, that's not the point, but it is what happens. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> so we went into this, you know, wondering, well, I was wondering, Nikki was pretty sure of your opinion about this, but like, is it just us? Like, are we the ones that are just kind of like seeing that people are wanting to, to have this different mindset or Mm -hmm. is it, you know, a lot of people. And so I I was looking up the definition and and like the frequency illusion is the result of two interacting psychological biases, selective attention, noticing things that are currently important to us and disregarding the rest and also confirmation bias, which Mm -hmm. is looking for information that supports our hypothesis and Mm -hmm. disregarding information that does not. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. can always find what we're looking for basically. And, and so now that we're just kind of seeing things in a little bit of a different way, and this is to be honest, like been a journey for Nikki and I for probably like seven or eight years now, Mm -hmm. I guess, Mm -hmm. uh, of 
of this different type of way. And I say different, different from, like you said, dominant leadership. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that it's just, yeah, it's just spreading. Like mm-hmm. we're some people like yourself, like, like Mark Rash had been doing this for a long, long, long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've read the books and stuff, but once you start to see other people do it around you, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if we're acting in a different way at a horse show, then maybe half of the people there, three quarters of the people there, like it just starts, people start to understand that there's a different mm-hmm. way. Totally. And, and I also have to say something because it really came to me uh, in a strong way. I'm screwing up all the time. Okay. My heart, I learn and adjust by think like we ask, I find that when people are working at this, they don't ask questions now. They don't want to challenge because it's like, oh, it might make a problem. I'm making problems all the time because I'm not afraid to ask the question. And I believe in good relationship. We should be able to ask each other questions. I should not have a fear that I can't ask you that because that's going to make you mad or that's going to get, you know, that's really like, we got to, we got to connect on this level and say, okay, we can, with love and, and heartfulness, I can ask questions and then you're going to kind of share in love. You're going to respond. And it's like, we can talk and be true. So I live that way with my horses. So I'm going to ask, I still, I ask lots of questions, but the difference is when they give me their answer, what do you do with it? Mm-hmm. Do you listen? Do you meet that need? Or do you put them in a headlock? Right. So if we can transform that and say, it's no longer, it's just not an option now to just dominate. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's now I listen, I converse. And what happens is if you know, when we're going through hard things that I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to do my best to hold space for you, but that doesn't mean we stop doing hard things. Now, all of a sudden we get on the same team because you start to understand what to expect from me. And I feel like that's the thing with our horses is they're generally expecting to be put in a headlock. So they're always trying to get out of a headlock. So then they know when hard things come, They know the very next thing because horses are trigger based. They see hard things. They know the headlock's coming. So now they avoid hard things because they're actually avoiding the submission because they don't like it. Nobody does. But if they start anticipating when we go into hard things that we hold space, now all of a sudden they're actually not that hard. And that's to me where we start really moving. But you have to be able to move through this space. So the first is, is to have permission that it's okay to have it not work out. It's okay that your horse got nervous. It's okay that you come to pieces because you probably feel that all the time. Like I'm not, I'm not, we're not at peace every moment. Okay. We're trying to work through things, but it's how we handle that. It's not trying to keep it. Meditation to me is not about keeping a still state. It's about being able to bring ourselves back as we live life. It's a really important piece. I would like to make that a little more clear for the black and white thinkers. Mm. So Let's say I'm going to, let's use an example here. Let's say we're working on something that my horse finds difficult mm-hmm. and I am still working towards the end result that I'm looking for. What I'm not getting defensive and I'm not creating a story. What mm-hmm. does holding space look like in that moment that allows the horse to feel seen and heard, but still progresses mm. them to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay. Let's say I ask my horse something that challenges them. Um, and I'm in, the, I'm in the yellow now. So they're somewhat challenged. Number one, they need to be able to have their voice. Every creature needs to be able to have their voice. They need to be able to share. And then they need to be able to be heard. Now, the challenge is, is because generally them having a voice means they're not doing what I want or what makes me feel safe. 
So we don't want them to have a voice. And so then instead of hearing them, we shut them down. Now I'm talking about the yellow now. I'm not talking about a horse losing their mind and bucking and bolting. And that's generally where people think I'm going. And that isn't the case. Mm-hmm. But horses can have tension and uncertainty and worry. And they, you, first of all, we need to allow them to have their voice and allow them to speak. And then what we do is we try, we have to approach it by connecting with them and, and observing a release and a softening rather than a force. So there has to be a bit of time where we can build this mindset with each other. So I encourage people not to, not to challenge themselves so much that they're throwing themselves in the lion's den, but just pushing the edges. Okay, now if you push your edges just a little bit and your horse loses their mind, now you have to come back to the green. And this is where I talk about empowered by pressure. You have to teach, you have to do exercises to teach your horse how to soften the pressure. So when I, just as a basic exercise, I'll teach a horse how to soften and then I'll apply a pressure. Okay. And then the horse feels that pressure and tightens. And I just gently hang around until they soften and I take the pressure away. So we're kind of doing things that teach them how to handle pressure and get release by thinking through pressure instead of reacting to it. As you get that, then now you've done that proactively. Now you go back into the yellow and try to be the same, show them the same. And pretty soon life is the pressure, not the thing you create. So I'm trying to be more tangible in that. Mm -hmm. But you either have to be proactive if they lose their thinking brain, or you have to every day go into the yellow. So this is a thing for me with my horses and myself. Every day I'm going into the yellow, but you got to go into the yellow with love. You can't go into the yellow with self-criticism mm-hmm. or you know fear or all of these pieces. And because there is a there is a level of, of growth that comes just by being in the yellow more often. Yeah. You see. Okay. Love I'm it. gonna break it. I'm gonna just ask a question to break it down even more if if that's okay. Just because I could see you wiggling your flag when you were doing that and nobody else can. So, or your whip or what tools Mm -hmm. do you use? I guess rope halter and a flag. Uh, just whatever. Okay. I I use all of it. (laughs) Okay. So say we're in the arena, we have a halter and a something, a flag, and we're trying to get our horse to walk onto a bridge or something. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so when we're saying the horse is having a voice, I, I'm picturing that as the horse steps back, the horse has tension, mm-hmm. he's maybe showing a little bit of white in his eyes, mm-hmm. stiff, yep. doesn't want to move forward. A lot of people would flag, 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 a lot of flag, a lot of tight Until they stepped tension. on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yep. Or jumped over the bridge at that point, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so I would like you to just explain to everyone... When you're saying mm. you're doing a little bit of pressure and the horse softens, what does the softening mm. look like? And, and h- how does that, how do you react? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's take it, let's keep it super tangible. And let's say, mm-hmm. okay, we have bridge. We come to bridge horse gets tight. They tense their back, their head goes up, their eyes get wide. The tension comes in the lead rope. We feel them want to step back. Okay. So for me, if that's the case, if that is what my horse believes, then I'm going to just stand there for a second until they settle. And then we're going to walk away from the bridge. And generally what this means is that our horses do not understand how to soften and think through pressure because they generally believe they're going to be forced. It's the story of how they anticipate they're going to be handled. Okay. So they're, they're, they're telling themselves that story. So I'm going to walk away. Now softness is about feeling the mind state in muscles. It's not about them moving. Okay. It's not about them just dropping their head. It's, it's that when you, you, we want to recognize that when a horse becomes unsure, their mind shows in their muscles. 
Okay, and so then what you can do with feel on the lead rope, this is why it's so important to have careful hands or connected hands. So that now what I'm doing is I'm feeling their mind state in their muscles and I need to get to a place where I can have a relaxation within me, but stay connected to those muscles until I feel the energy in me relax the tension in them. See, that's leadership is that are they receiving me or am I just making them? Mm-hmm. So if you can't feel them receiving you, don't go back to the bridge. If you can't feel that when you connect that they're taking that deal, that they desire your deal, don't go back to the bridge because you're just going to keep running the same story. Secondly, this is where the flag and the, and the lead rope come. They have a story in their mind, no different than we do. And you, we've all had moments where we have been telling a backstory that's actually living in the negative. It's just normal to us. You know, okay. So then the horse's backstory is pressure is something to run from, which is supernatural. So I actually don't get upset with my horses because that's what they were made to do. If they're running away from stuff or scared, that's because that's how we didn't pick paper dolls. We picked a self-preserving creature. Okay. So I don't leave them in that, but I want to help them. All right. So let's get back to the story. So now we have a connection where we can connect to the lead rope and we can feel relaxation and relaxation is going from a state of tension to relaxation. It's not a physical. Okay, it's just release. Then I take a pressure, whether it's a flag or it could be a whip, it could be a piece of plastic, it could be a coat, it doesn't matter. And I just bring it up to the horse and oh, look what all of a sudden comes, the tension comes back. Okay, so now we need to build a mindset that I'm gonna just gently come into the yellow, not the red. And this is where I feel like you can create um, learned helplessness or you know, like a, fl- a flogged sacked outness, okay. Um, is that you just put it on the horse until they stop. Well, Mm -hmm. that generally means they've gone inside themselves and are hiding. So I present it in the yellow and the yellow means they're like, I don't know if I like that, I'm not really okay. Now, but that's the place their brain's still online. If they're running, it means I've crossed the line into the red. Their brain's off now, they're not learning anything. So I keep that coat or flag in that area where there's tension again and I just hang around there and wait, but I'm connecting. So my, my hand is connected to my lead rope. I can feel the tension that the coat created. And I wait there until the horse softens. And then I take the coat away. So the release comes as the horse seeks to soften through the experience. Okay. And then I'll do that. And I'll do it in various areas. That would be my way. If there was a comparative to sacking a horse out, that's my way of empowering them to understand how to control pressure but not trying to make, I don't want them to go inside themselves. I want them to be very vocal in their control. Now I become mindful of when, so let's let's take that process now and go back to the bridge. What you have to start doing is as you get closer to the bridge, you have to recognize when the tension starts. You have to recognize when their mind started saying, I'm anxious about that bridge. But generally we're so motivated by the bridge, we're not even attentive to the point that it all of a sudden turns to red. So then you come to the edge and all of a sudden, now you recognize 15 feet back from the bridge, the horse started talking to you about how they felt. Okay, and then what I do is then I ask them to soften. And if you can teach them, I care about how you feel, but we can still do this. Okay, so it's not me backing away, but it's also not me charging them over that bridge. And they tense and I soften the tension. What generally happens is they relax there. Then I ask them to take a step forward. Generally what they'll do is they'll take two more steps forward and then they tighten again. Soften them again, wait, soften. And generally what happens, okay, for 75% of the horses, all of a sudden they think about the bridge and they take a step. And then when they think about it and they try, when you see their mind, try the bridge, stop and walk away. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's like tra- load, tra- loading horses and trailers too. Like there's the moment, get them in quick, get them in, you know, or get them over the bridge. 
When we see them try, you need to reward the desire for them to process that themselves. And then you try it again, but you keep honoring how they felt by connecting to the muscles, which is directly connected to the brain. So the feel in the muscles is your way, the gateway to the mind because they're very authentic. Like we try to hide our feelings. Horses are like, here's how I feel. Okay, pretty soon then you get, you know, two feet from the bridge, but then you bring out your tarp or your flag and you say, do you remember this idea? Do you remember this concept? And they're like, I actually do. And, th and then you get them there. And then when they tighten to the bridge, you show it's the same. So you start living authentically answering their need rather than seeing the coat is different than the bridge. To them, it's just all pressure. And when you can authentically get connected to this perspective of thinking, honoring, and looking for release, now the horse starts to anticipate that you're not going to push them over the bridge. The best example for this, and I'll just wrap this up with that one. Um, if we were standing on the edge of water and you were really scared, but we had to cross, there is a big fire coming behind us and we have to cross. Okay. There's two ways that we can do that. One, as you start getting closer, I can stand behind you and push, but that will immediately set your mind into being more scared of the water than the fire. Okay. And you will fight and you'll just retract and try to get out. But if I can help you understand, okay, and we can get our brains online and I can help you understand, let's just take one step at a time. But now your mind is controlling your own body. It's a whole different conversation. Okay, so these, this work is about trying not to disconnect the authenticity of your mind and your body's connection so I don't have to fight your body and your brain. So I say a lot of training is the horse's brain is trying to make their body do this and my brain's trying to make their body do that and it's a fight over a body. If, we, if relational horsemanship at, at its essence is release that perspective. And now if we can connect to the tension, we're conversing with the mind until they move their own body. If that makes sense. Now that doesn't mean I can't use a little bit of pressure and play around to try to motivate them to try things, but I'm honoring how the mind is running the body, if that makes sense. And when you get that philosophy, 100%. you can do hard things. Yeah. So Go lot, ahead, but... <laughs> no, I, I was waiting for, for you, but uh, yeah, I, I, agree a thousand times over i felt like i feel like that was a really good like visual description mm -hmm. that i think a lot of people need to yeah. hear and i think you wrapped it up very well yeah i think we should so get into much. our you tell me yours i'll tell you mine because uh we really do have children to pick up it's no joke mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um and i really do feel like nadine that some of the questions we came into this interview um, with have very much been answered, um, the the foundational ones at least. So I think, I think, are you comfortable going into? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I think we're we're clear. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> so for I'll tell you your I'll, you tell me yours. I'll tell you mine. Today it is a time you had a profound learning experience and the impact it had on you. I put in mm. brackets cold notes version because mm. I feel like <laughs> this alone could be a two-hour-long conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also wrote mine out so that I would just read it and not go on a tangent myself. So just mm -hmm. you know, I uh, feel free I if you would like. Josh to talk about the summit, or you might even talk about another experience. It's totally up to mm -hmm. you. However, however, cause I know we touched some on the, on the, um, summit already. So Nadine, do you want to start or do you want me to start? Sure. I can start. I didn't write mine down, but I think that I've had a few of these types of experiences. One is, uh, part of what you're going to speak about, 
But about seven or eight years ago, we did a clinic at your place. Um, there are only about five of us. And it was really a profound change in the way that I approached horsemanship at that point. I had been out of horses for quite some time. I might've talked about this on the podcast before, but it was actually the when we met, right, Nikki? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we had a local clinician who did a lot of groundwork and Liberty and she came in and I went in with the old mentality of, you know, this is how I've been taught to do things. And, but always having that understanding of like the horse whisperer in my head and natural horsemanship, Mm. but never again, never understanding, like, how does that, how do I apply that? Right. So just at the very basic level, I went in going, like, I want to know that when I ask my horse to move over, on the ground that I can just like move him over lightly without having to like push him and slap him out of the way. Mm. I knew I didn't want to do that, but I didn't know how to get that to happen. And so I left that clinic understanding how to have my horse back up by just looking at him, (laughs) Mm. you know, or how to get him to somehow move towards me, which I thought was magical Mm. um, to get him to like side pass towards me without force you know? Mm. So that just opened up this huge box of searching for more knowledge and practicing Mm -hmm. all of that. So Mm -hmm. that was my experience. I love that Mm. was our first shared experience together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so for myself, it was actually another shared experience between Nadine and I, which was another clinic at our facility. And it was a few years later, um, I was at an interesting point in my horsemanship where I was, I was teaching clinics with my husband on the weekends and there very clearly were horses that came into the arena that I would specifically say, that's a Mike horse. And mm-hmm. when, when the horse is at a place where they can work with me at, and allow me to work at a softer pl- like, like level and with less intensity or whatever you want to call it, then they will come to me. So we very, we had very specific roles with certain horses that came into the clinics. And I watched Andrea Anderson, Jim Anderson's wife come into the arena. And she was a, she is an intense woman, but there's a softness about her. And she was a familiar size to me and energy. And I was like, okay, so I watched her train from a distance. I watched her maintain a distance between her and this horse. And I left there with an understanding of something I now know as scope, which now that I've learned more with Beth Killo um, or Ann Standig now, I I recognize it as such. I recognize it as the space that is needed to be able to main, maintain a place of awareness. And rather than becoming a part of the problem, I am capable of honoring who I am as, mm-hmm. as a horsewoman and still achieve the things that I was thinking I couldn't do because I wasn't intense or aggressive or ruled by testosterone. <laughs> cool that's good that's a good one andrea is a a horse genius too she's a Mm. a person to learn from Mm -hmm. cool all right josh 
What's yours? Uh, two come to mind just, and I'll keep them really short, but uh, I had a horse in my late teens and, you know, I think that everything aligns as it should, but uh, it was a really important time in my life where if I went into, this was, he was a really tough horse. He had been broken. And in the beginning, that's what you get. You know, you get these tough horses given to you because that's what generally what you can afford. And generally it's what you need. Um, and if I went into any state of ego and started trying to do anything, he would buck me off. Like it was, it was consistent. I never one time rode him out. Like when he went to it, he would just lose his thinking brain. If I stayed in the right state of mind, it was awesome. That set the tone for a huge journey for me of recognizing how going into certain places actually break relationship and the need for them and what that can set. Uh, that started a huge thing. And I, and I got bucked off that horse many times because it was just anytime I was like, oh yeah, things are going good. And then I was trying to use him to make myself look good. It was over. Like I'm not talking <laughs> a little bit, it was over. So the point was made deeply. The other was when I was uh, at that same time, I went and worked at a ranch in uh, northern Nevada and I was starting Colts and they were very much so wild. You know, it wasn't the same domestic level. And um, I was working this horse and uh, I just couldn't figure him out. And I was trying in all my ways to help him. Then this one cowboy came and roped this horse and, you know, he was going to show me how it was done. And and it got way worse. Like this horse was fighting even harder. And then another guy stepped in and started playing around and it looked like magic. And within 20 minutes, this horse was following him around and it set another tone in my mind that there's many ways that are on the earth to do things and not every way gets the same results. So at that very stage in my life, it was very laid, it was laid very deeply that there's lots of approaches um, not every approach is going to work the same way and different approaches um, are going to get you different results. Um, so those were hugely impacting elements that set the tone for my entire journey. So then as I took off, I had a bit of a bravery that, you know, there's an inner awareness mattered and there's lots of different ways and not every way necessarily matches with my desire. And it also observed that it mattered to the horses. So anyways. Kind of can dive into that deeper, but that that really was hugely impacting to the beginning of my story. I think that's the theme of this podcast that we could dive in deeper. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and I mean that, that's great for everybody to know, right? It's mm -hmm. we try not to be judgmental of the way that others do things, and mm -hmm. I think that just shows there, like you can do things many different ways, and it's up to you to choose the way that you feel is the right way mm -hmm. for you. Um, we did have a listener, a couple listeners that shared and one person was uh considering to sell a horse and the person showed up in their yard with um her whips and her ropes and her big gloves mm -hmm. and all of her horses had come down from the field they had come running to see them and as soon as this lady got out of her car they turned around and left all of the horses mm -hmm. didn't want anything to do with this lady and i think what this woman did basically was say like you can't, if you're going to, you know, be physical and, and hit a horse, we're not going to sell it to mm -hmm. you. Basically. Mm -hmm. I don't know what other conversations had come up. Mm -hmm. So she got in the car out of the car and left and the mm -hmm. horses came back. And mm -hmm. so this woman said, that was like a moment in time where I realized that a person's energy and intentions like had a profound impact on mm -hmm. horses that we don't even see mm -hmm. that they know. Oh, that's a goodie. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay. <sighs> well, <laughs> how are we feeling 
That was a great Good. chat. I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like we were actually able to really honor good points and mm -hmm. not get off on too many goat trails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I had a real goal of trying to have things um, make sense for the audience and not get, mm -hmm. you know, not get us too wrapped up in our own feelings and stuff about mm -hmm. things. And I think that, uh, I think people will be able to get the point. <laughs> that was so. the goal. Yeah. <laughs> That's the goal. Really, I think, you know, Nadine and I talked about this this morning and, and hopefully we can all stop talking, but um, we talked about it this morning that it would be great if something from all of this information and and these areas of growth in our in our horsemanship and you can see the way the world is turning hopefully for horses we're hoping that there's going to be a creation of tangible things so that people who need the black and white can mm. go this way too because there's a draw to certain programs and certain ways of being with horses that mm. people go to because it makes sense to them Mm -hmm. And we want this to make so much sense that it's mm -hmm. the way that the majority of people choose. And I think right now we're not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the, that is the next step. And I feel like you're right. Um, it is also one of the reasons why I continue. I feel like I'm a little bit of a fringy energy guy because I'm also not, I'm not backing away from all of the things that I'm doing in my life, because I do also feel like if we're going to bring change, then we've got to be a part of things and things can happen. There's still lots of things that happen in the world, but if, but the only way we can be a light is that we're not staying in a room that's lit, <laughs> you know, you're moving out into the world to share that and to be that and not necessarily, and I've come to a place too, it's not necessarily to change the world, but it's just to honor my call. And, and go into the places and be me. So there's no pressure on trying to change the world. It's just do what your heart calls you to and, and, and be the light that you're, you're, you feel in your heart that you want to be. So there's really no pressure. It's just about following that. And so um, yeah, that's kind of how I'm trying to build my program is to, is to kind of stay on the edge of, do, of the doing but yet honoring the being, um, you know, and that's, that is the challenge. It's a great challenge because you'll lose sometimes some people when they want to be doing the being and maybe you're not doing enough for the doers, but mm -hmm. the balance is just to try to navigate the philosophical approach to being and doing. Um, and I feel like there's a great need for that. Oh, that just wrapped it up perfectly. That's a great way <laughs> of putting it, the being and the doing. Yeah. yeah. I just, and and just to touch base on something you said a long time ago about how we're in this, like what you said, a post-war era almost mm. right now. Mm. I feel we've talked a bit, Nikki and I personally about like our parenting styles lately mm. too. And I can't help but relate some of this to like the approach that I'm taking with parenting my son mm. now, because like we came from a generation that did things totally different, you know, mm -hmm. spankings were okay when we were mm -hmm. kids and you know, getting sent chased up to your room with your wooden spoon mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Like, and that is something like we would never dream of doing now. I take things to a place that considers my son's feelings more now mm -hmm. than I feel like maybe my parents did, or, you mm -hmm. know, generationally, they generationally, they did. And I think we're just trying to do that with our horses as well. Mm -hmm. Totally. Well, that was a beautiful discussion and I'm really honored to, to be a part of it between the two of you. It was great. And uh, thank you for taking the time. We know that your schedule is very busy 
And um, just to finish up, can you tell our listeners where they can find more about you? Because I know right now you're spread pretty thin. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of explaining it. Um, <laughs> yeah, generally, I always encourage people, you know, that if they want to watch because we're speaking more to a global community, I always encourage people to our YouTube channel to start. Uh, we've got lots of content on there that shows people a little bit about what I'm doing. Um, I did a demonstration at the uh, Saskatchewan Equine Expo that we actually laid out in a real fluid way for people to see my work. And then there's my my website. Um, it's a membership-based website that we've been putting content in for almost five years now um, with the heart of being able to explain the relational space, but also then give you insight about how to go about doing work as well. So we've been trying to create that kind of glue for for a while. Um, and then I, I teach in clinic all over Canada. Um, I've tried to stay in Canada uh, just because of some of the challenges of crossing borders and all of these pieces. Uh, and yeah, so then that's the actual in-person teaching. Um, so we're trying to kind of touch a variety of things. We've got various podcasts that we've been involved in so people can hear my approach. Um, but that's generally the, the encouragement is, you know, check out YouTube, then try the website. And then if that, you know, you really feel connected, then the personal touch. A lot of times when people today want to do the clinicking first, but I've actually observed that if you go and take, do the learning, then by the time the clinic comes, you already know me, you know my words, you've already been trying it. And I've watched a huge progression step forward um, in the learning uh, from that. So yeah, that's kind of, kind of my deal. That's a great way to put it. I like, I like that a lot, especially because I'm the one that's saying like, come for a clinic. I think definitely to go to the YouTube videos in the program first is a great idea. Well, thank you so much. I've just seen it. Yeah, you bet. I've seen it both ways where you have people come to a clinic first and they don't even know what you mean by terms. And then you spend the whole clinic kind of just engaging. Generating, right. Like yeah. a common language that could have been totally. facilitated. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Yes. Thank you guys. It was awesome to spend some time. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, the best way to send us some love is by sharing about Canada Horse Podcast with your friends, finding us on Instagram, and leaving a review is always appreciated. With your support of the show, you are making a positive impact on our horse world. Until next time. Right on, Canada. Canada.